Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top-shelf equipment and designers for broadcast concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know this is your most important event. It is their goal to make sure you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to another episode of LD at Large podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting, as well as columnist for PLSN magazine, LD at Large. I'm here today with three very good friends of mine, Butch Allen, creative director at Mode Studios, Bob Boniel, chief creative officer at Mode Studios, and my favorite of the bunch, Colleen Boniel, CEO and founder at Mode Studios. Thank you all for taking the time to hang out with me today. Hey, Chris. How you doing, buddy? Wonderful. Good to see you, Butch. Good to see you as well. Sorry, everyone listening can't see us, but we're all wearing formal weather and we are showered. <laughs> as far as you can tell. I brushed my teeth. I used mouthwash, everything to make sure that I was as presentable as possible today. I've spent considerable time on my hair. It looks wonderful. For anybody who can't see Bob, he looks great. <laughs> Bob always looks great. <laughs> so I wanted to reach out to you guys today because I know that you guys share an ideal that I have, which is to remain diverse in our industry. We all love lighting. We all have a passion for entertainment, but we still realize that we can't put all of our eggs in one basket. Mode Studios is especially impressive in your diversity. And I was hoping that you could kind of share some of the reasons that you guys are so passionate about that. That's a, <laughs> that's a great question. We have, we've been diverse because... We've had to be diverse. Um, certainly in the industry, my history has been that I've sort I, I like to say that I've worked my way through the entertainment industry and starting in theater and then going into rock and roll and then from there going into film. I learned very early on that the skills that I was picking up along the way were absolutely interchangeable from one genre to another genre. The added benefit was moving forward as we went into mode and as mode started to develop, we were able to take that idea and start in theater and then build out into other other areas of entertainment and then eventually even adding architecture because the skills that we have uh, lend themselves well it all across into almost anything you do. I think that a theater education or a, a an entertainment philosophy and mindset can actually help you no matter what you do, no matter where you are, because we all have to think. We're all tinkerers. We all have to think on our feet. We all have to be flexible. We all have to have empathy and understanding and all of the things that make really great people to have on your team, no matter what team you're on. No, I fully agree. I, I think that having our core principles based in theater allows us to understand that we're not just lighting concerts. We're just, we're creating emotion, which allows you to branch into the other elements of lighting. Absolutely. 
which I know the last time we talked, Bob, you, uh, you share that as well. You realize that the lighting is just the, uh, the path that we're taking to the end result. It's not the actual, the lighting and the technology is not the end result. No, it's not. And, and neither is the skill set. Mm-hmm. And I think to, to pile on to what Colleen just, you know, I, I felt so tempted after Colleen finished to just say, and ladies and gentlemen, we're done here. That's it. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Because, man, she dropped the mic. But, but to pile on to that, the skills that we learn in lighting or in any aspect of production, you know, which Colleen so eloquently laid out, allows us to be flexible in, in working in the box we're working in and to be nimble at working in the box we're working in. To be, we're all really good improvisers, right, within mm-hmm. that box. I think that the lesson I learned is because I moved I started in lighting and I started swinging a wrench and then I moved to being a designer or first a a programmer and then a designer. And then I moved to video. And what I discovered is, and then then from there I moved to creative directing and I've moved to, to many different things. What I discovered is it's these tools and these skills aren't just in this box. They actually enable me to create whole other kinds of boxes Right, so it's not about think, it's not about thinking out of the box. It's realizing that you already have right in the tools you have, and right in the things you've taught yourself, and right in this mindset that Colleen talked about, the ability to create a whole different box. Right, we've always been good at solving people's problems. We've and we've always been good at really intra like clients come to us for one off miracles. What can be a fun thought experiment is to think about. What are the ways I'm not thinking about that I could use tools like that for any number of questions or needs like that from a client? When you can build your box, you can kind of go anywhere. And I think that's been a fundamental reason that that Mode has, we've not been a giant success necessarily. I mean, we're not, there are other designers who are much bigger than us or other production companies that are much bigger than us. But we've been a persistent success. We've been resilient. And it's, I think, because of this diversity and this this method of thinking. Maybe just like Icarus here, doing a very good job of not flying too close to the sun or too close to the ocean. Maybe you're flying exactly where you need to be. Yeah, what uh, is it that Buddhists refer to as the middle way or the middle mm-hmm. path, right? So, yeah. yeah. I'm a huge fan of the middle path. Being able to switch back and forth between entertainment and architecture is a, is a powerful benefit for you guys right now because with entertainment, we have such a quick timeline from decision-making to production. But with architecture, the time frame is so much longer that there's still people planning, still designing right now. So I would imagine you guys still have some boxes that haven't completely emptied we have several boxes that aren't completely empty yet definitely a lot of them are on hold mm-hmm. so we're just we're we're skating like everybody else is right now trying to figure out where yeah. we're going to next i think that that this whole phenomenon is coming with an epidemiological aspect like uh you know like we're sheltering in place now because we're we're literally taking shelter from a health threat Mm-hmm. But there's a concurrent and adjacent economic impact, right? So it, while it's true that the timeline for architecture allows for more time to think and to do, and we're working our way through timelines, at the same time, we're seeing across all of our market verticals, 
uh, conservative, you know, conservatism when it comes to capital, right? Mm-hmm. So, like Colleen said, you know, even the architecture it, at this moment, even the architecture is paused because I think everything is paused, right? Yeah. But I think that there's in the in the in the realm of looking at the things that are going to open and come back first. For us, architecture is a point of hope because building is one of the essential things that they're talking about being one of the one of the things that comes back more quickly, for instance, than all of us going to a concert. Correct. So architecture is going to follow that. Retail, they're talking about as being one of the very first things that comes back. And one of our focuses has been production values in retail and in architectural retail environments. Retail is theater. It's just a theater mm-hmm. where it's all the merch store and not the stage. So mm-hmm. this goes much longer. I would imagine that we're all going to have to have even plans A, B, and C in place as well, even beyond architecture. I mean, we're going to have to really use our creativity to figure out what we can do to keep moving uh, money into the accounts. And uh, some of the more creative ideas that I've been seeing these days are really even farther than what you're saying. They're actually out of the box. One of the ones that I was just talking to a guy recently is he's using his drone as a remote disinfectant device. That's something that is within our realm of possibilities. And I, I find that very exciting. Have you guys been seeing any super creative uh, adaptations? I got a buddy who just sent me a drawing of a gutted motorhome. And what they're doing with it is they're putting a sauna in the middle of it. They're sealing the front of the motorhome, and it's a walkthrough. So what it is is it's a decontamination station. Wow. The virus dies at 145 degrees as of today. So the sauna goes to 170. So a healthcare worker goes into the front of the motorhome, strips down, steps into the sauna, and before their shift, they would have dropped their end-of-shift clothes at the other end so that you can walk through the thing, sit in the sauna a couple minutes, cook the virus off of you, and then uh, walk out. I see a, a huge market for that. Uh, it's super healthy to take this time you've got and apply it towards improving your skill sets and keeping your imagination working, challenging yourself during the day to stay sharp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great advice. I've been seeing a lot of people really pushing on uh, learning their new skills. Uh, there's infinite uh, resources available right now to kind of figure out which direction you want to take. Because when we go back, we're all going to need to be top of our game. You know, and a, a little heads up there to anybody. If you're, if you're so technically or nerdily inclined, I highly suggest you get familiar with Unreal Engine. Unreal Engine. Game. Yep, it's a gaming engine. Um, it is going to change the world of video production and uh, show presentation, undoubtedly. Bob, you're nodding your head. Can you tell us a little bit more about Unreal Engine? Well, I think that in the production industry, we have often ridden on the backs of research and development that came from other industries. And in fact, the media servers that we all already know and love came from those, the engines underneath those devices came from the research 
that was done in the gaming industry for you know allowing real-time processing of graphics and serving it up. So there's already a history of that. But Unreal Engine is a product of Epic Games, and it is a it's a piece of software that if you're familiar with 3D, whether or not if you, if you're a designer that's using Vectorworks and you're used to 3D drafting, or maybe you're on the content side in entertainment and you're used to using a program like Cinema 4D or Maya. Uh, if you were to open up Unreal, it, it would look familiar. It would look like a, a 3D application. But what's going on with Unreal and what has been taking shape with Unreal is uh, just fascinating. Uh, I know that many of the people listening to this podcast may have seen some of the development happening with merged reality and this idea that you can have stages with LED walls, ceiling, and floors and track cameras and have everything remain in, in POV and be very... Uh, real-time and flexible. That's all because there's there's become a way to use Unreal with our production tool set. Now, on the other side of it, what's going, what's going on looking forward is that there's a realization that building big physical sets in the near future, in particular, may be impossible, and that there needs to be other ways to create compelling environments to put people in for production. Uh, and so there's a lot of work going on right now. It's, it, there's I'm part of a couple different Facebook groups. I, I helped to start one of them, the Facebook Virtual Production Group. And in these groups, there's people who work with Notch. There's people who work with Unreal. There's designers like me who know just enough to, about these things to be dangerous. But there's a dialogue going on about how could we use Unreal to uh, previs lighting? How could Unreal be used to serve up their virtual sets? There's a lot of interesting overlap between Unreal and media servers. But then there's this deeper capability. So it's coming into broadcast. It's coming into live events. If you're somebody who's already inclined towards programming or media servers or understanding the technological backbone, this is a device that you're going to have in your workflow soon, if you haven't seen it already. And get to know it now while you got the time. You just touched on something far more profound than I had considered in the past, but this is a first for us in the fact that no matter what the the atmosphere of the world, entertainment has always been the very safe industry because we, we we bounced back first, uh, 9-11, things like that. We always took a big hit, but we always came back. And things like alcohol sales was always very uh, resilient, uh, hotel stays. But for the first time, all of those normal, safe, resilient uh, industries, we're all dead in the water at the moment. The only one that's really fully still thriving is computer programming, website design, uh, anything that's online, you can still be generating an income. So anybody who's listening, I would definitely uh, encourage you guys to kind of figure out what your skill set is, whether it be Photoshopping, graphic design, anything that you can do online is there's a great way to generate income there. So I'm trying to get my creative writing skills out there as well. Uh, we were all hoping you'd work on your creative writing skills, Chris. Who's going to be something we're going to talk about after, though? <laughs> yeah, I, and, I, and I don't see it as a, as a forever change. I feel it is just something that I can do in the meantime to get over the hump. There's lots of little options that we can go to that make that possible. Even, I'm even teaching my kids how to code. So that when they come time, they'll be the ones to help out mom and dad through the, through the slump. You know, it's, it's interesting to think about our skill sets through all 
This isn't just a touring thing. It isn't a broadcast. It isn't theater. It's not event. It's just that you've got these this amazing workforce that's below the military. We are the most teamwork people on this planet. Uh, mm-hmm. We integrate our operations between departments immediately. Our projects are all meshed from their inceptions. And then when it goes into operational, oddly, between these hundred person teams that come together, it's interesting how quickly all these things mesh and produce. So, you know, as we think about what we're going to do in this bridge time before our industry is firing on all cylinders again, is that is our most marketable skill. Mm-hmm. Is the fact that we walk into weird, un- unpredictable situations and think about all the people who just do festivals, international. I mean, sometimes you're places where you don't speak the language and you still manage to pull off some giant thing. Mm-hmm. So as you're going around looking for stuff, folks, don't ever forget uh, that your teamworking skills, above all, are marketable. And That's one of the things that makes me so optimistic is I'm seeing a lot of companies that I know are going to make it through this because they're already adapting places like upstaging. I see that they're already making PPE for everybody. Uh, so, what? so what? Of course, they're already making masks. And I even reached out to them and had asked if they could ship to Canada. And after a five-minute delay in email, they're like, yes, yes, of course we can ship to Canada. And so those are on their way up here. I even saw that Froggy's Fog they switched to hand sanitizer in felt like a matter of 10 days. They switched like, Hey, we're, we're a hand sanitizer company now. That's so inspiring to know that we all have a plan B and C available to us. Froggy's fog must be a distilled product. Far as I know, they were able to switch over because uh, you switch over and you distill one thing. And then next you're distilling 60% alcohol to throw into hand sanitizers. That's, I never actually thought, how do you make fog fluid? I just, look at the jug and don't want to get any on. Uh, I would imagine the three of you are also uh, photographers. I would imagine there's lots of stuff to be done with photography right now. I'm sure there's some amazing photos to be taking in uh, in the LA and uh, Washington areas. Well, you've hit on something there, Chris. And, and look, it is neither sad nor happy. It is just, it's kind of a life on life's term situation that big gatherings of people for entertainment purposes we're at the end of the line in terms of what comes back. But that's okay. It's okay because it is going to come back. It's also okay because just exactly as you've mentioned, we all have these skills that are so applicable to so many other people who are going to have to come back faster. And they're going to have needs, right? People are still going to need to communicate. They're still going to need to educate. They're going to need people who can be nimble and who have uh, a propensity for process management. As you say, guiding or team building, you know, and working towards outcomes that there's not necessarily a clear path from A to E, right? Mm -hmm. That's something we're all good at. So we all have skill sets that we can bring while we're waiting, and we are going to have a little bit of waiting, right? Because, but you know, when, when we when we start to think about well, what getting back to normal, what is normal going to be? <laughs> and that's going to be a very interesting question. And I do think that in the interim, it's likely that probably until twenty twenty one, 
a lot of us are going to have to find some other things to do just mm-hmm. just to keep the head over the the roof over our head and the groceries on the table and the good news is we got a, we have a lot of things to contribute we have a lot of things that a lot of people are going to need mm-hmm. um, so it's about shifting your mindset you know and it's and it can feel so hard because it, it's it for i know for me i want to do the thing i've always done and the way i've always done it cuz that's where i'm comfortable and it requires me to lean into being a little uncomfortable to think about operating in somebody else's sandbox but i'm here to tell you that 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 leaning into that kind of discomfort is where you're going to find opportunities you're going to find opportunities to do things you might never have had exposure to that you're going to bring back to this industry later and put back into what you're doing here. And you're going to find opportunities to learn things. You're going to find opportunities to meet people and to even potentially increase your client base just because you're going to be acting as a human with other humans doing things in the act of recovering and rebuilding business. This great disruption comes with great opportunity. So how much can you hold yourself through that discomfort to be curious about that and to know that it's right to feel scared and uncomfortable about it and it doesn't mean any less about you as a person, but that it can be okay to acknowledge that and say, all right, what what could be here for me to discover, to do, and to maybe bring back, or maybe you might find something that is a passion you didn't even know you had, and you might find yourself on a whole different, incredibly vibrant path in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and yep. that's that's the potential gifts right now. Yeah, I was looking at a, a couple jobs that had been sent to me, and uh, one of them was a product developer for a new vegan food line. And and I didn't uh, I didn't pursue it, but I mean for like a good five minutes, I was like, "Hey, that's that's completely out of my wheelhouse. I'm gonna I'm gonna consider something like that." And I I, look, I looked at it for about five minutes, and it's still sitting in my inbox. But I mean, that's a that's a huge leap. I don't know if I would qualify, but I'm you know I'm if it's something that would offer me some money and some income to to hang out, I'll I would I'll consider it. One of the things I also wanted to get to with you, Bob, is that the progress on virtual concerts. And I know we had touched on it last time, but that's going to be a very real prospect coming up soon to be able to have a single artist in a in a green screen and have an entire virtual concert. How far along are we in that in that field? I think all of us know how to point cameras at people performing and attach it to an internet stream. I'm actually going to toss this ball to Colleen to talk about a little bit okay. because it's something that we're thinking a lot about, but I'll, I'll drop some breadcrumbs. And that is that the other thing to be thinking about is not how to create a great performance for a stream, but how to recreate those in-between experiences at a virtual event. Colleen, I mean, you've been talking a lot about this with a lot of actually a lot of people and, you know, but maybe more on the sort of communication event side, what are you hearing and what are you saying to people? I think that the opportunity that we have now is to create community. It is to, um, to really lean into our experiences and how do we how do we get an audience to all throw their hands up in the air at one time, right? And how does that translate from 
a live experience when a performer walks on the stage and a virtual experience. And why is that moment important? So we've been talking about all of that 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 level of experience, that moment that as an audience member that you feel your heart and your whole body just raise up in the air. How How can that be recreated in a virtual sense when you're sitting in your room and you've got your dog beside you and your kids are running around and somebody's hungry and how can we how can we help create focus learning community and more tangible results for virtual experiences so those are the kind of conversations that we're having right now okay i'm kind of trying to picture myself as a as a performing artist who needs the the feedback from the audience and the the feeling of projecting your art out and then getting cheer back online. It's very easy to send out your art. It's very difficult to get anything back mm-hmm. through the screen. Is there any way to recreate that under social distancing? Well, we're kind of having it now, right? Mm-hmm. You're in another space. I'm over here. We're having a discussion. We are feeding off of each other. And how do you do that in a larger sense? Uh, I think as a performer who who would regularly perform in front of thousands of people, it's going to be a completely different experience to perform in your living room and have, uh, you know, some sort of response back. But it won't be anything like that feeling that you get when you walk into an arena. Tell us. <laughs> I don't mean to interrupt. Forgive me. No, uh, you have uh, thoughts on this. I think I that do. You- I do. And my thoughts are: there's tons of performers that go on Good Morning America and Colbert and all these shows that either have limited audience or no audience mm-hmm. and do it. I mean, your job as a performer is first and foremost to figure out how to captivate. Yeah. People who are at the top of their games, top of the industry, that is something they just got it. Like if you watch a late night show during the monologue and they're telling their jokes and there's just no, there's no laugh track. Uh, Bill Maher uses a laugh track. Uh, this week he used um, 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 uh, archived footage of old audiences that they cut in. <laughs> and, and it was really clever because the laugh track seems lame but when they got in a picture of a 1950s audience all clapping, all of a sudden it was hilarious, right? So where we are is not in a land where it's, uh, this is target rich. This is for the people who are not going, well, how do I, you know, my, my artist's entire show is standing there going, hey, 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 hey. People are still sitting in their living room screaming, hey. Yeah. Uh, it, you just have to do your job, mm-hmm. you know? Now, so the, uh, <laughs> if your solution as a creative or as a person advising a creative or as a technician in this new world is just point a camera at it, it's not the solution. Mm-hmm. It's the easiest solution. And I'm certain it is the most cost effective solution, which is honestly a huge thing. Now more than ever, but it's going to be the people who are in outside the box is overused. Our old tricks don't work anymore. Mm-hmm. Not right now. Not so right now. now. It's, it's pull a different colored rabbit out of your hat. I'm pulling out an alligator today. 
or a buffalo <laughs> or a chicken. Uh, I don't know why they're all animals. It's an Audi. Who knows? Now it's um, when you're talking to your colleagues, your clients, it's a time now to really listen to what they're asking mm-hmm. because it's not the same answer anymore. Your pride and true lifelong pitch in our decades ingrained habits as far as how we solve our continuing creative problems in shows. Hey, guess what? Uh, there's a reason you're supposed to be creative and that's to come up with creative solutions to people's mm-hmm. challenges. And that's what the world we are thrust into now. One of the challenges I'm thinking of is the, the WWE. WWE has been considered essential in Florida. Well, what they did, and it's really important to read things and look a little deeper than what what you're hearing on TV. Okay. They, they called sports and entertainment essential. Right. So although the press is focusing on political donations and Vince McMahon, I mean, hey, face right. it, folks, you all got WWE. Everybody exactly drank the Kool-Aid and did what the wrestling people want you to do, which is to have outrage over nothing. Right. Uh, did anybody here watch WrestleMania? Yeah, when I was a kid, yeah. Oh, well, I just watched the one they just did from their training center. And Jason and all you people out there who worked on that thing, that was dope. I'll have it to look at Some it. of the best theater I've seen on one of those shows in a really long time. And without people cheering and screaming, they got it on. They made a captivating story. They really did Great, because talk about all the things that could have totally bombed and sucked. Because really, it's the same thing it always was. It's the heel and the hero. And they really just, uh, it looked dope. What did you see? I, I haven't seen anything like what you're talking about. What uh, Fill me in. I'm certain you can go to uh, uh, any of your online sources and grab a clip of it. But, you know, at the end of the day, whether there's an audience or not, or whether we're all in a big group or we're all sitting in our four disparate parts of the world, uh, primarily our job is to be a storyteller. Right. Or to help someone tell their story. And what did the WWE people get together? They went back to, what are we? We're storytellers. And they wrote captivating Carl Glob dramaturgy. (laughs) um, And I say that with love and peace and respect to my friend Carl. But he's brought that word back up again recently in our conversations. And it's applicable now more than ever. Because now the pyro isn't going to make a difference. Right. Uh, How loud the PA isn't going to make a difference. Turning the subs up here. The confetti drop. None of that shit matters right now. Okay. What matters is telling your story and making people want to hear it to the end. And there's a really, really important thing in that, Chris, which is like, and this is a thing, I see a lot of uh, my lovely and amazing colleagues trying to figure out how to, how to re-communicate the experience in the arena in this new way. And the thing is this, and you know, most of you are too old for this reference, but Marshall McLuhan said, it's not the medium, it's the message, Right. <laughs> So, so what we're not, what is, what is maybe a more of a wild goose chase? Like Butch said, the, it's not about the pyro now. We're not in an arena. It's not about how we look in an arena. It's not trying, what WWE didn't try to do is somehow virtually 
remake the arena experience. They leaned into the strengths of the platform of television and they used that, right? And so again, if you want to link this back to virtual events, you know, I look to like there, you know, there's a there's an amazing musician. Her name is Amanda Palmer. Now, some people really know who Amanda Palmer is and some people don't. She's married to the famous author Neil Gaiman, but she is a musician who figured out early on the power of building an engaged community. Uh, and then and then she she makes a living as an artist. And she like when she's on tour normally, she often stays in a fan's home that 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 is prearranged ahead of time. And she will have meetups with her fans. And there are layers and layers around the event that are about her engaging with her community. And so now if you're a performing artist, like Colleen said, you're you're right now we're where we are. We have to perform from where we are. So what what are the strengths of the mediums we have to maintain that connection, right? That community. So what Amanda does is she focuses a lot on her Patreon community and on her, you know, her message boards. And she like, if you comment on one of her things, she answers, right? And so that's what it's about now. We don't have the in-between experiences of being at the arena and seeing the show and being able to high-five the person next to us and, you know, being able to have that, that, that communal moment of the house lights go out and we all go crazy. You know, in, those, are, those are features of that medium. There are equally powerful features of the other mediums available to us. And that's what WWE did. They leaned into the powerful features that are available by broadcast television, which is much more about thinking cinematically and narratively, not trying to recreate an arena wrestling experience, but a, a televised, narratively televised wrestling experience. That's how we have to think now. Yeah, for so long it's been because we're in arenas bigger and bigger and bigger and we have more room to fill. So we have to fill that space with more spectacle, but now without the arena, we have to go back to what the core value of that performance is. Like, I guess, like you said, it's not actually the audience is in the case of WWE. It is the story. And it sounds like Amanda has already keyed into that as well. It's the relationship and the story that comes from that relationship. On the same thing of a, creating a, a virtual event, you're hearing a lot of talk right now, and this loops back to Unreal Engine, about people using a lighting console through OSC controlling the virtual lights in Unreal. And it's it's really phenomenal how it works. The, you cannot send a data to a thousand lights. There's There's just not enough room in the world to do that. But if you think about, and unfortunately everyone listening can't see us in our four little Zoom cubes, but use your imagination and think about, well, really, when you're thinking about integrating virtual elements into a show, you don't need a thousand lights anymore because everybody's looking at a close-up all the time. Mm -hmm. the, the wide shot, the wide shot's done. So really, what is it? What can I do to make this little bitty box more captivating? And so if you can get, take your... Uh, your little time you spend with Unreal and your Grand MA Wing or your EOS or whatever, your Camsys, whatever console you want, and figure out how to make some lights work in the background or comped into a online broadcast, 
all of a sudden you're doing something that your artist is going to be able to put to use because everybody's world, at least in the short term, is is what um, they're, that giant concert they're putting on Saturday, right? Six hours of broadcast from people's living rooms or eight hours. So Lady Gaga's thing, which props to Lady Gaga. Uh, didn't ask us for money. She went out and raised it. You, you just got to love her. Yeah, right on, man. Right on. She is extremely lovable. Well, you I know, think my, I, my office right now is in the same room that the litter box is in. Can you hear the cat in the litter box right now? I saw the cat walk in behind you and open the door and everything. <laughs> just like this, is my my life is just nothing but and, and glamour nowadays. I got to tell you, <laughs> I have a snoring dog next to me, so I'm yeah. trying to keep my microphone muted so you can't hear her snoring in the background. So polite. So Chris, how are you staying positive through all this? What are, what is the when your when your stress level is taking you to the point of where I either got to go weed the front yard or uh, take apart my computer and put it back together backwards? What's the thing you're doing to take your mind off of the stress that you can tell people about? I built a jungle gym for squirrels in the backyard, and I find that super interesting. It cost me some twine rope and some walnuts, and I'm waiting for my acorns to show up. I have a about a 12-point jungle gym for squirrels in the backyard. And that is the most interesting, entertaining thing I've ever come up with. It is, it's like my own little gladiatorial arena back there. Bob, what about you? Uh, What am I doing uh, to, to alleviate alleviate your stress? Like when it's you being productive, what are you doing? The number one thing I'm doing to alleviate stress is disconnecting. So, I think it's very easy in this time, and we are wired to want to try to put together a pattern and predict the future. It's like it's part of what has you know elevated us from hunter gatherers into what we're doing. So because we have that impulse, we can get really drawn into it and then feel the effects of that all day. So, for instance, one of the things I'm doing is trying to have at least one day a week that's completely screen and media free, right? So, so that I have at least one day a week where I'm not looking at news, I'm not checking Facebook, I'm not, I'm not looking at a screen, I'm trying to spend this week the way Colleen and I did that is we spent the whole day cleaning up the backyard, uh, she put in a, a whole new garden bed in the front yard, we stayed out under the sun and under the sky, and I can't tell you what having that one day reserved for, for us and not having the rest of the world intrude into that day does for our stability and our sanity. It puts a little gas in the tank. Colleen, what are you doing? Yeah, well, I would well, I've definitely been gardening a lot. I've been uh <laughs> it started in egg crates in the window and I like a couple of seeds. Butch and I had a conversation and I was like, oh seeds, that's a good idea. And I like went out to the uh drugstore which had seeds available and planted them in my little egg crates and they're growing. I've I've decided that what I want is a wall of giant mammoth sunflowers. So right now they're all about six inches tall, but maybe by August they'll be gigantic and I will have actually accomplished something during this time. Um, But I think that the, uh, we're trying to get out every day. So every day take a walk. And fortunately we have a dog. So 
we're, we're able to get her out and uh, stroll around the neighborhood. We don't go, don't go to parks, don't go to, to the beach. We really do just sort of hang out in our neighborhood. And um, it's been rather delightful to, to have those strolls every day and, and just enjoy it. It's uh, my son is 16 years old and he mentioned that he was really upset that this happened and now we're in spring and the weather's nice and he wants to go outside. And I, and, and I explained to him that it's actually good that it's nice and the weather's nice and we can go outside. So rather than it be happen during the winter period. And I think that, that I'm, in, I'm enjoying the level of, it feels like the level of pressure has gone up in some ways, but it has also dropped. And I'm really trying to lean into the feeling that, okay, if nothing's going to end today. You know, we're all going to continue and today I'm fine and everything's good and the sun is up and I'm breathing and I'm, I'm eating and it's all, it's all good. So just leaning into the present moment and being That's okay. very Buddhist of you. Very Buddhist. <laughs> now is all that we can, all that we can be a part of. Yeah. I'm not a fucking Buddhist. Pardon my French. If you're easily triggered by language, I'm not your guy. <laughs> um, yesterday. I got to tell you something. I was freaking out just from the time I got out of bed until I barely fell asleep at about three o'clock this morning. I was just, and my wife was like, Oh my God, are you okay? And it was just pacing. What is going on? What's going to happen? You know what? Uh, Today I'm fine. So really it's, that's going to happen to all of us. You are just like the, it's time to pay bills again. Shit. Mm-hmm. Freaking out. Um, but you know what? Uh, did it. Woke up today. Um, went and scored some glaucoma meds for my mom. And uh, it's another day. So I'm back. Let's, let's, let's fight through today and see what tomorrow brings. But, you know, I'm, I think Bob hit on the singly most critical thing for your mental and physical health over this unpredictably lengthened period, which is um, disconnect. I turned off all the notifications on my phones. Mm-hmm. I am not under any circumstances having that friggin' news on all day long. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Nothing's changing. People are sick. Unfortunately, souls are being lost. Um, And it's not a game. This isn't a scorecard moment. This is a, when you're freaking out, pick up the phone and call somebody else who might be and just have a chat and make sure your friends are okay. And if you got to talk about work, I got news for you. There's nothing to talk about. Nobody knows. And I mean, honestly, this came up out of nowhere fast. Mm-hmm. It could end out of nowhere fast. It's now we're in the hands of science and politics and the will of the people and take it a day at a time. Our, our Now's your serenity prayer time, whether you need it or not. Uh, to when you're freaking out, just take a second. Because, I mean, not everybody's as lucky as me. I live in L.A. So it rained for a week and we were all bitching because, ooh, weather. But 
you know, if you're in the city or Chicago or I talked to my buddy Dave Ambrosio in Chicago the other day, it was snowing. I'm like, oh, I, I, I hit the lottery on this right now. But nonetheless, um, just be nice to yourself and know that, you know, the, anybody listening who's got my number, you're freaking out, pick up the phone and call me. Uh, I'll happily just talk to you about my cat taking a dump. It's all good because real life is going on uh, and gigs will happen again. And how does it start up? What are we sanitizing? What are the rules? What's our new world? How many trucks? Hey, guess what? The people who pay us don't fucking know yet. So take a breath. There's nothing to enjoy in this moment. Um, You can make it better for yourself by occupying yourself productively, uh, checking in on your friends, um, and just trying the best you can. And I know it's so, everybody's in such different situations. I mean, shit, we're at the end of the five-month roadie layoff, right? You got about work runs out about October, November, and then holy shit, thank God it's March. We're starting to fire up and it's not. So a lot of people are in desperate situations. And I'm not sure there's anything we can do to help everybody right now other than, you know, you're freaking out. Pick up the phone and call your friends. We were all brothers and sisters when we were living in buses. Uh, It was all my family, right? Our little bubbles of families. And whether you're in a bus or on a TV show or on corporate events, We're all little teams of people that work together project to project all the time. Uh, There's nothing, um, there's no sign of weakness by reaching out to just shoot the shit with a friend. And it's just as good for you to make sure everyone else is okay. Every time I call somebody and I'm like, first and foremost, how is everybody? And they go, we're fine. It's the best phone call I made. That is a great way to... And this podcast, that is a, uh, a truth bomb has just been dropped on this podcast. Oh, sorry. That's me. We count on that, Butch. Oh, here's the other thing. While we're dropping truth bombs, I'm taking it past an hour. Fuck you, Chris. Uh, <laughs> all these people on Facebook, what are we going to do? How's this going to work? Why are we overthinking? Freaking, freaking, freaking. They don't know what they're talking about because nobody knows what they're talking about. We don't know what happened yet so no my friends from last week who were constitutional absolutists they don't they didn't instantly become epidemiologists they we're all just freaking out and trying to tell what we think we know but it doesn't give us any air of uh authority yeah people have um i mean it's something we're all going to talk about because what do we talk about when we all talk it's only gig 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 right Mm -hmm. so it kind of actually is forcing us to find other things we have in common which is a first uh (laughs) but you know um you want you need to take a clue you need to take a ten thousand foot clue of what's going on when the sports teams start letting people in and maybe a disney park opens that's when we're starting to look like, okay, the engine's firing up again. You know, that's, those, those are some good unbiased clues. There's no agenda there because all those people want that money. They'll, they'll, those industries will end up being our leaders. I agree. Well, thank you guys so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I hope that uh, anybody listening can open your mind just enough to really listen and let the let let the butch juices flow into your brain and 
<laughs> I can just go pound myself too. If, you know, <laughs> uh, should I, should I need to, uh, you can, uh, you can feel free to reach out and tell me, Hey, one more thing. If you got a minute in your day, www.eir.team. It is the, uh, entertainment industry response to COVID-19. Um, there's a whole lot of thought leaders in this group. We've got a whole bunch of people signed up. You go on the thing, you hit contact. It goes, how can I help? And it gives you a chance. And there's a whole lot of thoughts on this thing of uh, places where our unbelievably narrow but incredibly useful skill sets in this time um, can give you a chance to think. And uh, take a look at it. It's a, a lot of people are in there. I don't know if it turns into anything for anybody, but there you go. Go put your name in. Have a voice. Take a look at this. Step back and, and think about how we as a community help. I'll put that in the notes for sure. Ah, oh, bless you, Aww. Cuddles. Thank you guys so much for your time. Peace, Thank you, Chris.